I think when you talk about process too, because sales is a very process oriented thing. I mean, you have your CRM, whether it's Salesforce or Microsoft Dynamics, like everything is being noted. Um, sales professionals and sales management love processes. They love organized, uh, you know, standardized, repeatable processes. But inside of this like marching band, that is a sales opportunity where everybody's doing their own thing. As a pre-sales person, you have to be in the center of that and you have to be playing jazz. You have to be very comfortable being uncomfortable because a good demo is very, very specific, which means it isn't easily repeatable because there's going to be different parameters each customer needs. Hey everybody, George Soto here and you're tuning into Demo Diaries. Uh, today I'm joined by Andrew Corbett, who's a senior pre-sales consultant at Nice Actimize. How are you, Andrew? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, thanks for you know, just spending time with our team. We, we love speaking uh, pre-sales and demos and all that good stuff. So uh, very much appreciate it. Uh, why don't you take a quick second to just, you know, tell folks a little bit about your career background and how you got into like pre-sales? Well, I think pre-sales uh, engineers, consultants, whatever the term you want to use, I think we all have pretty interesting backgrounds. There's not like a straight line to this job. Um, I have one of the weirder ones. I was a film major. You know, I worked in Atlanta on music videos and uh, movies and TV shows, did some stuff in L.A., and then when I when I got into sales, it was actually based off of a uh, old professor that I had. We had a, a startup that was built from some guys that uh, went to my alma mater. And uh, he was asking the, the his old business professor, like, hey, do you have anybody in your major that could you know cold call for us and maybe get us in front of some uh, some hedge funds, some VCs? And uh, he's like, I don't have anybody in my majors, but I have this one pain in the ass in my elective class <laughs> that I can get you. So. That was my start in sales. And, you know, I got my start as a cold caller uh, and I really learned, um, you know, how to build relationships quickly, how to leverage value. And then from there, uh, after doing that for a few years and, you know, teaching people how to do it, managing teams, um, I, I kind of got spotted at a, at a company meeting. We had to do a, a presentation in front of everybody. And um, based on that presentation, they thought I might have the aptitude to do pre-sales. And I've been doing this for a few years now and I really enjoy it. Awesome. What was your alma mater? Georgia State University. Nice. Right on. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I, I, so I lived in Atlanta and I remember trying to uh, do the, the GMAT for business school and I mm -hmm. took classes at, uh, at Georgia State. Uh, sadly, I just didn't pay attention enough and, and really bombed the GMAT, but I did okay on, on the GRE and got into uh, grad school so I guess it worked out but uh, yeah I think it worked out yeah well why don't we talk a little bit about what pre-sales looks like at a company the size of nice optimized because you according to like LinkedIn you're about like you know, 11 1200 people now and what I've heard is that after talking to about 100 pre-sales professionals like yourself give mm -hmm. or take um, that it really depends on the organization, right? Like how it's designed, what is their sales motion, that sort of stuff. So what is kind of like sales engineering slash pre-sales look like at, uh, at your, on your team right now? It's funny because if I had to kind of, uh, you know, relate it to my old jobs, you know, in the film industry, being a pre-sales person is like being a producer. You know, if you're really good at what you do, more doors are going to open and more teams are going to want you involved earlier or later in the process. So, you know, pre-sales is kind of a misnomer, you know, at, at Actimize, 
we're involved during the qualification process. We're teaching our team how to, you know, be better from a technical perspective, how to be more confident when they're on these conversations. And then when we are meeting our first opportunities or our second opportunities, or, you know, progressing to technical calls, integration calls, you know, we're supporting throughout the entire customer lifecycle, even to the point of doing some, um, you know, training for existing customers. Uh, it's also really important for me, at least, I think you have to build up currency, you know, in any industry that you're in, you're only as good as the last conversation you've had, and you're only as good as the information that you have. So I always want to stay up to date. I always want to talk about, you know, to customers and say, what's really going on on the ground, right? You know, when I'm selling something, the, the biggest thing for me is empathy. I have to be able to connect with your problems. And if I don't know them or if I'm not up to date, you know, I'm going to lack the currency to succeed. Totally. Why do you think that pre-sales like right now seems to be getting so much attention? I think it's probably one of the more creative positions you can do, you know, in business, right? Because it's not defined. Success is defined and it's easily defined, right? And we'll get into results in a little bit, but how you get those results can be very different. Uh, again, I'm coming from kind of a storytelling background and that's always the way that I've, uh, I've communicated with people. And I, I think it's really cool because as a pre-sales person, you're really the director of the story. You know, you're going to be the one that's really speaking for the majority of the time in most of the meetings that you're going to be in. And you're always going to be looked at to have an opinion, which I think people enjoy. Yeah. Um, now with that comes a lot of responsibility, right? Because you have a lot of impact on uh, the credibility of the team, but also the comfort level of the uh, prospect, because every deal I've ever worked on, it's about figuring out where they want to go and how we can help them. And the pre-sales person has a big role in that. Awesome. No. You know, if you think about the qualification, there were a couple of things that you mentioned there that I wanted to un unpack uh, a little bit. And so the first one is qualification. What kind of framework do you have? Because, you know, you hear it all the time. Mm -hmm. like, oh, sales is pulling me into all these garbage deals. Like they're not sure. qualified. We're spinning our wheels. And as a result, it's actually hurting the rest of the organization. So what framework have you put in place and seen works to improve that? Well, I have a different perspective on that just because I was cold calling for so long. I was in that new business group. So, you know, there are a couple different parameters that I look at an opportunity with. Sometimes you have something where it's like, oh, wow, they have a budget. They have an established need. This is something that we could potentially bring in and, you know, two quarters from now kind of fitting whatever your typical sales cycle is, right, as a, as a, as a company. And those are great. And you need them, right? Those are how you hit your number. But especially if you're on a newer team and there will always be new teams because companies are always going to emerge to different markets. And oftentimes that's where the best value is too, as a pre-sales person, because you can kind of get in and really establish uh, the culture of that team. Um, it's pipeline, right? So I can't tell you, you know, in our, in our industry, it's financial, um, you know, crime and we're dealing with credit unions, we're dealing with banks, but we're also dealing with fintechs. Fintechs can be very, very small when you first meet them and they can grow very, very fast. You know, if anybody is kind of keeping an eye on crypto and some of the other really exciting fintechs, there's real explosive growth. So if I'm meeting somebody that maybe is a little lower than our, you know, quote unquote, established norms, um, that's fine. As long as I understand where they're trying to go and if we can help them, because we've had meetings with people. And then six months later, you know, we're in competition with another another vendor. But that vendor didn't really care who they were until a number hit a certain mark. And people remember that. People remember that. Plus, I can't tell you how many times too that I've talked to uh, I've talked to people that you know we've we've closed deals with, um, and it's been a long relationship. And 
when that conversation occurs after the fact, you kind of find out that you really served as the baseline for a lot of the questions they were asking other companies because you got involved so early and because you were a trusted advisor. So that's kind of the parameter I look at. If you're not something that can close, you know, in the next two quarters, then you're pipeline and we need pipeline. Yeah. Dude, I'm with you, man. I, I was a cold caller SDR. I was a door-to-door salesperson. So like, there you, know, you go. Get it. Right. Yeah. I, I worked actually with a bunch of Georgia state and university of Georgia and Athens, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, folks so we were a tennessee nashville tennessee based company so i uh, yeah i like that i'm with you 100 percent. so i think that's kind of like you're touching on something that is near and dear to my heart and that i've thought about quite a bit and that is process is great for scale right you need to put rails on things no doubt about it but there are those situations where you'll get in to or get involved with a, a deal or get on a call and you'll realize, hmm, they weren't really thinking they were going to buy, but you did such a killer job of unpacking their needs and showing them the vision and showing them where they could go or maybe showing them uh, potential issues that they didn't know they had. And then now they're now they're ready to buy. So maybe they weren't qualified. Maybe, maybe they told you, oh, we don't have budget right now. But you mm. still took that call. You still hopped on because you saw you were able to say, hey, I'm going to give some great service, right? Maybe I'm not packed, jam-packed today with, you know, Fortune 100s or whatever, right? Uh, and, and then you, you end up converting that deal. And then that deal becomes super meaningful. So to your point, that fintech example, the long tail is absolutely a real thing, right? Like reprise right now, we're like 40 people, 50 people, right? We yep. wouldn't. We wouldn't even, we would not be an organization that we would sell to, right? Uh, based on our target, our ICP or target accounts. Mm-hmm. But what a year, two years from now, we might be a you know a plus two hundred people, three hundred people, right? So yeah, you know, so so I, I'm with you, and I and I get that. Let's talk a little bit about um, storytelling specifically, because you know you were in uh in film before and i think you probably have a, a lot of great insight and that's probably what one of the things that your uh your hiring manager saw when they identified you and kind of like uh, in that in that meeting that day what is the key to telling a great story with a demo where it's not too much and it's not too little but it's just right yeah it's a great question I think when you talk about process too, because sales is a very process oriented thing. I mean, you have your CRM, whether it's Salesforce or Microsoft Dynamics, everything is being noted. Um, sales professionals and sales management love processes. They love organized, uh, you know, standardized, repeatable processes. But inside of this like marching band, that is a sales opportunity where everybody's doing their own thing. As a pre-sales person, you have to be in the center of that and you have to be playing jazz. You have to be very comfortable being uncomfortable because a good demo is very, very specific, which means it isn't easily repeatable because there's going to be different parameters each customer needs. And I'm a big believer that you can't create need, but you can uncover it. And you uncover it by asking the right questions and then by going the road less traveled. So when we're doing demos, when we're doing um, any kind of, honestly, any like qualification question or discovery, my goal is to be as prepared as I possibly can be based on all the information we can find out about them through that prospecting process, getting my write up. Um, being very prepared in terms of understanding the industry and what are the challenges that people are facing right now. And then also really knowing our product. But after that, I walk in with no preconceptions. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've had a meeting where I've had an account executive tell me, 
it's just this. It's just this. Don't talk about anything else. And then you walk in and that's the only thing they don't want to hear about. So what do you do? Do you kind of walk into the meat grinder or do you kind of pick your head up, take the blinders out and go, okay, I actually have a lot more room to work around than I thought I did. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen people's eyes light up because they've seen five or six different vendors. How do you stand out? You stand out by doing something different. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. I love it. You, you know, talking to you, I feel like I'm talking to like, I don't know, like a, a, a ABC closer fired up uh, person. So that uh, you get you get me fired up here. You, you know, let's talk a little bit about tracking performance, because, you know, there were a couple of things that you said there and the the the, the way that, you know, typically I hear tra folks track pre-sales performances. OK, well, if the SC touches the deal and and then it closes, they attribute you know success to that. I sure. do think that there's you know, and that's an easy way, right, to do it. Okay, yeah. well you know, um, Andrew got on on a demo, he's involved, and and it closed. Okay, great. But, you know, I do think that there's probably some some deeper, more granular steps in between those you know stages. Let's say in the in the CRM that uh. That, that probably will provide a little more insight into how we're doing as, as a pre-sales professional in the deal. Anything mm -hmm. pops up in, in that, that maybe is not as obvious as, as some might think? Well, yeah. And, you know, by its very nature, it's not going to be obvious. When we talk about self-development. That's an internal process. So you're going to have your KPIs. You're going to have the things you need to hit. Obviously, there's a number at the end of the year that is really the end all in terms of what other people are concerned in terms of your performance. But for me, what I always kind of think about, too, is I have my own internal goals. And some of the things that I track meeting to meeting is, am I finding something out that we didn't know ahead of time? Because, you know, a thing I talk to pre-sales people all, all the time about is don't walk in with what you know. Be an investigator. You know, figure out things. This is one of the ways that we can really add value uh, that isn't, to your point, something that maybe is going to be in a spreadsheet. But it's so important because when you get someone to open up to you and kind of share what their vision is, you know, in our industry, it's all about growth. These banks, these credit unions, these fintechs, everybody wants to expand. And by the very nature of expanding, you're putting yourself out there. It's a very vulnerable position. So it really, you have to build trust for them to really explain to you all of their goals because sometimes they're very, very ambitious. You know, <laughs> people tell me they want to triple in size in two years, which in any other industry, you know, you start getting uh, health checks. But in our industry, that is possible, but it's also going to come with a lot of dangers and it's going to come with a very specific need. And if we can find that need by asking questions, that's something that, you know, internally I'm saying, oh, I'm becoming a better pre-sales person. I'm finding more value. You know, again, I'll repeat it. I don't think you can create need, but I think you can uncover it. And that's my own kind of internal KPI that I really try to say, you know, if I'm getting better at that, I'm getting better across the board. Awesome. I love it. It's almost like you've crushed this, this interview so much that we should probably like drop the mic here, but I do have a couple of questions. No, God, please. Uh, you know, actually I have a couple more cause I, you know, this is a learning experience for us, right? Yeah. Sure. We want to create this content and help, you know, pre-sales professionals and just sales marketing or revenue organizations uh, get better. But, you know, this is also learning for, for, for us here. So thank you. Mm -hmm. You know, in terms of like, the the kind of actual demo you know you work in an industry where just like healthcare there's a lot of similarities you know you can't just show proprietary data you might have 
like some great examples. Uh, what do you do in, in the situation where you have a, a client that wants to like is banging on the table saying, you know, show me some real data, show me, you know, some real mm -hmm. data. We want to see this in a X um, example or in, a, in an X um, vertical or something like that. Right. Sure. What do you generally do to make sure that the data looks as accurate as possible, as real as possible without obviously disclosing, um, you know, proprietary or sensitive data? Well, I think it goes back to like, uh, you know, the people that fabricate Renaissance paintings, right? If the fake is good enough, you're not going to be able to distinguish it from reality. And the way that you do that is by knowing your industry. So when we're creating alerts, yeah, you know, there may be some funny names in there, right? It, it might be like Pizza Palace is the, is the business that's being <laughs> um, robbed for any Toy Story fans out there. Um, but the actual mechanics of the fraud or of the money laundering are dead on. And they're dead on because we've been doing this for two decades and we know what we're doing. And it's so important to create an environment where that question never comes up. And I have to be honest with you, it really never does. No one's ever saying, oh, well, this is, the, to me, the only reason that question would come up is if you were wasting someone's time, which goes back to that initial thing again of, you know, you, you have to be credible and you can't really, there's no shortcuts to credibility. It comes from doing the legwork. So asking questions, keeping your currency up, you know, making sure you understand what's happening on the, on the front lines of your industry. And then also on the back end too, having a product team that's going to work with you. And that's the, the biggest thing I said, like uh, in the very beginning, you know, you're kind of like a producer on a film set too, because you have to build really strong relationships with everybody. You know, pre-sales, uh, you don't get to have your own lunch table. You have to move around. You have to mingle. You have to know everybody because you're always going to need favors and you're always going to need input to make sure that uh, a situation like that never occurs because everybody's kind of on the same page. Awesome. Well, Thank you so much for your time. I, I had one last question. Sure. What do you think about one tip, one super actionable tip that you'd give a pre-sales professional, let's say specifically a, an individual contributor that they can implement tomorrow, mm -hmm. right? They don't have to get approvals or buy any systems or anything like that to really kill or just drive their, uh, their demo, uh, really crush it on that call. What would that tip be? So this is going to come from acting class from 10 years ago, but I think it's the best tip I can give anyone. So the difference between visibly good acting and visibly bad acting is whether or not you believe the person's listening to the other people in the scene. And active listening is the term they use, but like really, truly ingesting and visibly understanding what someone's saying to you makes a much better relationship. And then also... You know, one of the things that we can kind of get in trouble with as pre-sales people, and I, I've worked with people who've had this problem in the past, is you, maybe you have notes printed out and you have your verbatim thing that you want to recite to somebody. But if you're doing that, it's a one-size-fits-all conversation. It's, you know, one way of flow of traffic, right? I'm not, you're not giving me anything that I'm going to use. I'm going to just say what I have in front of me. And that's why, you know, we make fun of soap operas because they're reading cards. <laughs> you know, they're not, they're not listening to each other. So if you can be an active listener, and then if you can change based on what you're hearing, if you can kind of ingest what someone's saying, and now you don't need the verbatim list in front of you, you can kind of move and be more freeform with it. Um, it's better conversations. And really, if I was going to say one thing about pre-sales people, my goal every day is to have great conversations. Great conversations lead to opportunities closing. Awesome. Shall we drop the mic? Of course. <laughs>
I'm on a, I'm on a <laughs> webcam, so. <laughs> but this is my shore, so there you go. I don't know. You know, maybe I'll drop it on my on my bed. Sure, sure. Throw it over. <laughs> um, anyway, Andrew, thank you so much for for taking the time to chat. If folks want to connect with you on social media, maybe learn more about potential job opportunities uh, on your team within pre-sales. What are some good like channels or URLs to reach? You? I mean, so I'm on LinkedIn, so definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn, Andrew Corbett. And then obviously, we also have a really great, nice website. So if you're ever interested in careers, uh, I would say go over there. And, uh, you know, always happy to have new team members. Cool. Well, uh, great chatting with you. Thank you again for your partnership and uh, hope to hope to see you at maybe at some networking thing. <laughs> yeah, or, sure. At some point. Yeah, right? once or it's maybe, all over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which we'll, you know, we'll see when that happens. Yeah. But uh, have a wonderful weekend and thanks again. Yeah, thanks for inviting me.